Welcome to Mom and Up. With your co-host, developmental psychologist, Dr. Marty Erickson, and Dr. Aaron Erickson, maternal child health specialist and nurse practitioner. Here's my grandma, Marty. And here's Aaron, my mom and mom. Welcome to Mom Enough. I'm Marty Erickson here with my daughter, Erin, and we are really pleased to welcome today's guest, who's going to be talking about a topic that is near and dear to our hearts um, and really relates to some of the big concepts we often talk about in terms of how we can raise kids who will be happy, successful, and contributing members of our society. We have joining us today Michael Thatcher, and he leads an organization called Charity Navigator in its efforts to make philanthropy easier for all by improving the way charity ratings can help more people make wise decisions about charitable giving. Prior to joining Charity Navigator, Michael spent more than 15 years with Microsoft, the last 10 years as their public sector chief technology officer, responsible for technology policy initiatives and engagements with governments and academic leaders in Asia, the Middle East, and Africa. Quite an exciting and impressive uh, career, I would say. Um, and, and as I mentioned, we're going to be talking today about philanthropy, but Michael doesn't just view that, uh, nor do we, as being about money. And he'll say more about that as we go along. So it, you might be thinking of that word philanthropy and thinking, whoa, well, you know, I, I couldn't ever be a philanthropist. Sometimes we have, a, I think, a very narrow understanding or view of what that is. So I'm excited to uh, have Michael join us and, and join you today to help you think about that important concept of giving, contributing to our society, to our world. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Marty and Erin. I'm really happy to be here. Well, we're just thrilled to have you, and I, I think this is such an important topic. Um, we talk all the time about how important it is to, to give back and contribute, and uh, that's important from the earliest stages of development uh, through the lifeline uh, throughout our entire lifespan. So uh, tell us, what does Charity Navigator do? Sure, and I, I think ultimately what we're trying to do is make impactful giving easier for everyone. And we've been around for a little over 20 years, and we're really set up as a free service to guide people in their giving so that the gifts that they make go to more impactful organizations. And what that means is we have ratings and information on all of the legally registered charities in the United States. So there are about 1.6 million now, know that that includes churches and other houses of worship. And within that, we have ratings on about 200,000 of those organizations. We also have a feature that lets you give directly to the charities. We won't let you give to a fake charity. So we're also protecting you in your giving. And then we have ratings on over 200,000. We also uh, create lists. So a lot of times things will happen in the world that may not be areas that I normally would want to give time or money to, but let's say there's a, an earthquake in Turkey and in Syria, for example. There are a lot of people that want to do something and to help the people in that part of the world. So we'll create a list of highly rated organizations that are actually engaged in the disaster recovery. Uh, 
the last thing I'd say that we do is we have a lot of donor tips and tools to try and help you be impactful. But ultimately, um, we want we don't care if you have five dollars or five million dollars to give away. We want to help you do that in a most effective way that helps you address the causes you care about. That's just an amazing description of a, of a, a really um, exciting organization. And I, I love especially that you um, have opportunities to give right from your site. I think, you know, anything that can simplify the process of giving, um, the better. And also that you brought in the, the earthquakes and, uh, and of course, a lot of us uh, have been very interested in giving to people in Ukraine. Um, there are lots of, lots of examples. Unfortunately, we have so, so much tragedy all over the world that there's no limit to um, the things that we could give to. But I think that um, what you're doing with this organization is really remarkable. I wonder if you could um, tell us a little bit on a more personal level about your personal history with philanthropy and how important it's been to your own family. So I think, you know, why philanthropy and let's say the nonprofit sector and giving back or engaging in areas which I really think of as in improving the lives for all on our planet and maybe even beyond that at times. Um, that was that was part of how I was brought up, but it's also my interests when I was a young man were really in the arts and also in science. And so I spent a lot of time working in working in oceanographic research. I was also a musician and a dancer when I was younger. And I found that the way I wanted to do philanthropy on a personal level was by actually being engaged and working in the space. And so part of my philanthropy, if you would, is where do I devote my time? And what are the types of engagements that I take on? With my family, um, my late wife and we have three, we have three adult children. We were always what was involved in the giving process or in the doing process. So we would do environmental cleanups. We would take trips where we were helping out. We, a lot of our focus was environmentally um, focused and then also animals and poverty reduction. And so this is something where we brought this into the get the kids involved, where we'd all go do a cleanup together. And it, it connected us as a family. And so there's a strength as a family unit through some of the work that we did together. Less perhaps the financial uh, contributions, because particularly at the time when the kids were small, we didn't have a lot of money, but we had time. And so we used our time to work on things that we cared about. And as a family, we really, I would say probably the most connecting tissue is dogs. Absolutely love dogs and did a lot with rescues and, um, and shelters. My daughter has been a, um, what do you, I forget what you call that, but where you're, you know, you bring in an animal to your home and they, um, an interim, an interim. Oh, foster, uh, foster, foster care. Yeah. Yeah. So she's fostered a lot of pets and ended up, uh, with, uh, keeping quite a few. So that's been, uh, it's been a big part of our lives. 
Oh, that's just wonderful. I love hearing stories like this about families contributing together. What a great way to connect with each other around shared values, but also just a great way to kind of teach your children about your values of giving back and into your community. And I love how you tied that to different things that were important to your family, like the environment and pets and as a fellow dog lover, I can uh, also appreciate that one, especially. So I'm just thinking of something I want to uh, toss in here. Erin, you'll remember this well. When your daughter, Clara, who is now 18 and just finished her college, uh, her freshman year in college, um, when she was five, I took her to a play about child labor that was put on by our amazing uh, children's theater company here in Minneapolis. And um, I actually was kind of horrified at the end of the play. I knew the story of a, chi- a real child called Iqbal, um, who was in Pakistan, I believe. I, I may have the country wrong, but um, but he does die at the end in, in quite a horrible way. And I had taken this five-year-old, you know, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is, I didn't think they'd tell the whole story. I didn't think they would portray it as realistically as they did. But Clara was just so moved by this. And when we walked out of the theater together, it was just she and I, um, she said, Grandma, can a child be a child rights worker? referring to the concept of child rights workers who try to make sure children are in school, not in labor, uh, that they're with their families, that they're protected from violence and so on. And now fast forward to today, 2023, and Clara just finished uh, her freshman year studying um, in the School for International Service or School of International Service at American University. And she's leaving next week for an internship in Kenya. She already has planned um, or has spent time studying in South Africa. And this ties back to what she ended up doing after we went to that play. She, um, as I talked with her about different things that a child, even as young as she was, could do around child rights, we ended up um, deciding that one thing she could do would be to contribute to an organization called Books for Africa. Uh, it's a huge organization based here in the Twin Cities, and they, they provide millions of books for children and also for law school students and so on. So um, she decided, Clara did, that for her sixth birthday, she wanted her friends to bring books, good quality, not old used books, but really good quality books to give to Books for Africa rather than gifts for her. And so we went to the warehouse and, you know, saw how they sort the books and what their quality standards are and so on. But um, I, I, I just treasure that story. And I think it, you know, it really, um, I don't know, to me, it's just a dramatic illustration of what can happen when you do engage children and even in those harder kinds of issues in our world and, um, and give them a chance to, you know, make a decision to to give right on the spot, to give uh, to the Books for Africa program instead of, you know, getting a whole bunch of gifts for yourself. Some people brought gifts anyway, of course, but uh, um, I just think I thought that was relevant. I think the one of the the passion of a child focused on some of the causes is they're unstoppable. Yeah. And so on some levels, you know, when I think of um, how to 
how to create a, you know, I think you said, or Aaron, you said it about shared values. One of them as a parent, you share your values with your children. And if you can bring that into the giving process, but then there are these emotional triggers that hit us in life, whether it's the outrage over the death of a, you know, a child that's put into labor and, and that plants a seed that then you're, you're going to, you're going to want to live into that and change things in the world. Um, I, you know, I've seen that happen. And if, and you suddenly see a child that actually drives a family towards in a philanthropic direction, right? Where the child falls in love or gets really angry about something and says, we have to fix this, that passion, that's the fuel that really changes the world. And I think what we're, what we're trying to do is then help you focus that, um, and find an organization that's really going to make a difference. Just uh, I, as you were talking about books for Africa, I looked them up on our website, and they're a four-star charity. Getting a, they've got a nice high score with us, and they're a they're a strong organization. So, good choice. Well, that's great to hear, and uh, I, I so um, appreciate just that. Um, I think that excitement that young people can bring to these kinds of initiatives and uh, to causes, and especially adolescents, I think of, you know, it's a time of, of kind of individuation and finding their own voice and a time where they're often finding causes that they care about as they sort of learn about themselves and who they are and what matters to them. And what a wonderful way to kind of tap into some of that youthful, uh, energy and and passion for for causes, and uh, as a clinician, I have been really concerned about what I've been seeing with young people, especially teens, around loneliness and depression. I mean, it's it's amazing that we can be so connected virtually and digitally, and uh, uh, you know, accessible to people at any given moment, yet feel so lonely in that experience. And so um, I, I know to the CDC and other organizations obviously have huge efforts uh, put, put towards changing this um, shift in, in, in this decline in adolescent mental health. Uh, but there's a lot of studies that are showing that generosity can help with this. Generosity can make you happier. Giving back gives back to you. And do you think the philanthropy could possibly play a role in helping our kids get out of this a darker period from a mental health perspective? I, I think so in a, in, a, in a couple of ways. I think um, giving brings joy, as does um, it's similar to if you have a gratitude practice. And there's there's scientific research that really shows that when you are grateful or when you're in the process of caring for another, that triggers dopamine release into your brain. And so that there's actually, there's, there's, we talk about um, the warm glow that comes with giving. And I think part of this also is that, um, and particularly with teenagers, there's, there's a lot of change going on in their lives on, on many levels. And it, and it can tend to get self-involved and so does, so is social media. And when you're caring for another and you're engaged in doing something for someone who has less, who is less fortunate than you are, you actually, in, you become aware of your, the fact that you have privilege and that you are fortunate and that you have abilities to change things. And I think one of the things I've seen and this is more through volunteering. So I think when we use the word philanthropy, we should really think of, uh, sort of three things. There's time, treasure, and talent. And you can give any of those three. 
And a lot of organizations are set up to bring in young volunteers. And so there's opportunities for, for youth volunteer work, which is greatly, greatly rewarding and beneficial. Um, treasure, you may have less of that as a teenager, but again, you can get engaged with the organization, get engaged with the cause. I mean, go back to the example of the five-year-old, the five-year-old who wanted to do child advocacy work, right? There's, 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 um, that wish is unstoppable. It's also impractical. And if you think about the, the, the gravity of some of our world's problems, they're impossible, right? And so that needs people that are willing to challenge impossible. And children are really good at that. And so it's more a question of help them because then we will have a better, we will be living in a, in a much more peaceful and um, prosperous planet, I think. Oh, you're absolutely right, Michael. I, I love that you said that. And, you know, I, when I think about depression, I'm, I'm a psychologist. My background was a um, professor at the University of Minnesota for many years. And um, the, the core of depression is, uh, in many ways, powerlessness. And so I think that whatever you do in terms of giving, um, you know, whether it's time, treasure, talent, or all three, um, begins to build a sense of power. And granted, you know, many of these problems are not going to go away in your lifetime or mine um, or even in our children's lifetimes, but still to do what we can to make things better for someone and to give our, ourselves, you know, that, that sense that we really can do something and that triggers all those, neuro, those chemical and neurological responses in our brains and bodies that are very beneficial. So it, it truly is a win-win, even in a very challenging world. I wonder if you could talk a little bit um, related to that about the best ways to encourage philanthropy in your kids. And it sounds like you and your family um, and your late wife, I, I'm, I'm sorry that, uh, that you went through that loss, but mm. what a gift you gave to your children uh, through those activities that you already touched on a bit. But what do you think are some of the, some of the best ways to really do this, whatever a person's you know, income level or life circumstances? I think, you know, there's, um, and I've witnessed this in my role at Charity Navigator, where I've been invited to, to engage with um, a family group. Now, this was, this was a family that um, they had significant means, but philanthropy was a core part of how the family stayed together. So it's an extended family, um, you know, across the United States. They all met in Chicago and, and they, and the way they did things, and I want to use this as an example, was they empowered the youth to drive the direction of the family philanthropy. So rather than having the grandparents or the parents sort of say, we're giving to these causes because that's what we care about. And you're going to give too out of your allowance or whatever it is. They actually let the, the younger generation pick the causes and then do the research to find the organizations that they wanted to give to. And, what surprised me and I asked, I said, how long have you been doing this? And it sounded like this was a, almost a hundred year process for this particular family. So I was, that was incredibly inspiring to me because I'd never seen that. And I hadn't lived that either as a child or as a parent. But I think the thing that I think we can all replicate in that is that you, whatever your religious background or your, your, your practice is around gratitude and, and caring for others, 
make the giving something that you really include your kids in. And I think I'm, I'm coming from a Christian background. And so in the, in the Christmas season, that's when, you know, that time period between Christmas and New Year's, it's like, let's get together and let's talk about who we're going to give to, right? Instead of talking about what are we going to get, let's, let's figure out, um, you know, and make that, um, make that actually an event. You know, the world has created an event right now. You know, there's the first, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Giving Tuesday, but Giving Tuesday, you know, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, that's a wonderful time to sort of sit down and maybe have a family meal and say, hey, it's Giving Tuesday. Who are we going to give to today? And what are the causes we care about? And and going back to your point of um, agency, in other words, let the children have a voice in where they give. And then they're going to feel empowered by that. And, you know, you may end up having to uh, do a little volunteering and a little extra, you know, come up with some extra money to help help your child support the causes they care about. But it'll be worth it. I promise. So I, I love that uh, engaging the kids. I mean, I think in, in most things we do as parents, uh, we're more successful when we engage the kids, whether that's coming up with what are the rules of play today or uh, what are we going to do this weekend or where are we going to give our time and, and treasure and talent. Uh, so I, I love that. And I, I think one of the, the challenges sometimes for parents is kids often have wide ranging and maybe even rapidly changing interests as they learn and discover new things. So when it comes to philanthropy, should parents encourage kind of that wide range of causes or should they support? their kids and maybe narrowing it down to just one or two? I think that's, it's, um, I guess the short answer is it depends. And I, and I think you need to know your, you need to know your children, the, the, um, the advantage of reducing things to maybe one or two areas is that you can build a sense of, um, Consistency and follow-up. And so one of the things that I think is really important and when people think about giving, particularly if you're giving money, it's not so important how much money goes to the program. It's actually what's really important is what's the difference being made? And the only way to know that is to check in on an annual basis. So imagine you have this process sometime at the end of the year where you and your you and your children are sitting down to to do your family philanthropy and your giving. You did that last year. You come back around, it's a year later. That's a time to check in with your children and say, so, so you gave to this organization, you gave to Books for Africa last year. What did they, how did they do? Are they, do you still want to support them? And did they make the difference that you were hoping to see in the world? Or is it not quite what you wanted? And so that, that bringing that mindset into it is actually going to lead to impactful outcomes. And I think that's what I would want parents to, to really work with their children on. And that can also help you migrate between causes because you kind of say, Hey, I supported this. It's not really working out. I want to go support something else. And so bringing that um, change takes time. Transformation takes more time. Um, We've got to start knowing that. And if we can figure that out as a child that, you know, the, it takes time. It's not just when I make the gift. I think that that will bring engagement and engagement is another thing that I think is in terms of 
sort of psychological well-being. Being engaged again, it gets me out of my own gets me out of my own way. Hmm. I love that, and I, I really like that you suggest going back and monitoring to see what your money has really done, or how the organization is using their contributions in general, whether those are financial contributions or, or you know, the the volunteer corps or whatever it might be. Um, so that's really important, and you know, that also is a really good skill for kids to learn, a good value for children to learn that we need to pay attention to the impact of whatever we're doing, um, not only for other people, but you know, how, how's it working for you uh, in in your own family? And I, I often suggest family meetings, family gatherings, you know, usually around a meal or or hot chocolate or something, and, and uh, you know, just kind of looking at how things are working for you and your family and embracing uh, charity, uh, philanthropy, other, uh, other kinds of volunteer uh, involvement really is a great addition to that, I think. Um, so I, I just think that's exciting. Um, I wonder if you could give us some advice about specifically what families should be looking for when they look into charities to support. And this brings us right back to Charity Navigator, which is uh, really the most exciting organization I've learned of um, that is trying to do that. I really like your concept. And the, this was new to me. So, uh, so I'm, you know, I'm definitely going to be one of your users in the months and years to come. So what advice would you give? And this is a kind of a good way to wrap up what we've been talking about during this time with you. Sure. I think it's, um, you know, if, if you go back to what I said at the beginning, you know, in the United States alone, there are 1.6 million charities. That's too much choice. It is. <laughs> and so I think the most important thing to do in, in one's own giving is get specific. Because the more specific you get, the easier it is to find an organization that's doing the work you're looking for. And so, you know, take something, take something broad, like um, I, want, I want people to be healthy. Well, what is it? What about that? Um, let's say, all right, I want to do something about cancer. Well, which cancer? And is it cancer care? Is it cancer research? Is it care for the family members of the of the person suffering from cancer? Is it for the person suffering? Is it for after school programs so that the kids of the child of someone with cancer are able to still have, still be kids and go, you know, and, and, uh, and play? Um, once you get into that level of specificity, that helps you sort of refine what I would say is, you know, the specific cause and the interventions that are being involved. We can help you do that to a certain extent on the on the on the Charity Navigator's website, but then you're going to want to find an organization that's actually able to articulate the impact that they're that the impact they're making is the impact you want to see in the world. You can you also want to know that the organization's you know financially sound, right? And there's a level of when we give you some very quick financial metrics, we also let you know how they engage with the people they serve. So constituent voice or beneficiary feedback. Um, you also, I think when you're looking at an organization, so go back to the idea that it's, this takes time, you want a strong organization. So you want to know that their leadership knows what they're doing and that they have a plan and their strategy aligns with your, what you believe in. And so go back to the values discussion. Ultimately, you're hoping to find an organization whose values map to your values 
and the outcomes that they are creating in the world are the outcomes you seek to, to invest in. And I think the last thing I would say is think about that word investment instead of the word giving, because you're investing in social change and that's going to make you keep coming back to make sure they're making the difference you want to see in the world. Oh, that's so important. And I love how in that way we can all be stakeholders in in where things are going. Um, you know, we often talk about engaging stakeholders and the reality is we all have a stake in this. And uh, I can't think of a better way to both uh, raise children around the value of giving back, but also just to to uh, be a part of the change. And um, I, I'm noticing that you have a, a sign on your wall behind you that says it always seems impossible until it's done. And I love that. I, I think that's so fitting to what we're talking about um, because we really can impact change and uh, we can, I, I think, feel much more empowered in the face of so much adversity and challenge in the world when we're engaged in the process of change. So I thank you so much, Michael, for joining us and telling us about Charity Navigator. I know that this will be a conversation my family will be having uh, at dinner tonight uh, and uh, that we'll be uh, navigating your site and learning more about uh, how we can really focus our giving. I loved your suggestions about really getting uh, down to the details of what impact we're looking to have. And um, I think that can make it feel much more um, accessible to us in a way that we're able to really say, like, this is exactly what I want to contribute to. And uh, I, I really so appreciated your insights and wisdom and time today. And uh, thank you for joining us. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. We hope you'll tune in again next week for another episode of Mom Enough. I'm Erin here with my mom, Marty. Content copyrighted by Marty and Erin Erickson. All rights reserved. Visit momenough.com for an archive of all Mom Enough shows and many free downloadable resources on child development, parenting, and maternal health and well-being. Do you think I'll have a show called Kid Enough someday? 